Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here this morning as we continue in our series called Prison Break. Now, I want you to consider your new year, and maybe some of you have done New Year's resolutions. Maybe none of you do. Uh, If you have or haven't, typically they say by January 17th, the resolutions are done and gone. People rarely fulfill them. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, in all of our personal lives deep down, there are certain barriers that we want to break through in this new year. There are certain areas of our life that maybe are like a prison cell that have held us intact for maybe months or could be years, and we want to overcome them. And so this whole idea of this series, Prison Break, is to get us there, or at least moving towards that. And the whole idea of this Daniel fast, if you're new here today, we're in a three-week Daniel fast based in the Old Testament on the life of Daniel. And it's basically giving up areas of our life, particularly food areas in our life, and setting our lives before the Lord in desperation and asking God to bring us a prison break in our life. And so if you want a booklet on that, you can get one in the back. And also there's a 21-day devotional that goes with that from the staff of New Hope Community Church. Each one of us did a couple devotionals, wrote about our own personal lives or certain prison breaks that we have overcome in our life. And so I really encourage you to find those booklets and pick those up. But today I want to talk to you about breaking barriers in our life. A man fell off a cliff, but managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. And this following conversation ensued. Is anybody up there? Yes, I'm up here. I am the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I believe you. I really believe, but I can't hang on to this branch much longer. That's all right. If you really believe me, I will help you. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. There was this long pause. And then you hear, is anyone else up there? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, at times in our life, we face these incredible barriers. And we wonder if God can get us through them. And sometimes there may be challenging just one time, but some occurrences happen in our life where there are continual challenges with our situation. And so I'm going to share with you this morning a life story from a couple from our Isani campus, Roger and Jane Anderson. Let's Listen to their story. Hello, my name is Roger and this is my wife, Jane. We've been married for 35 years. We have five kids. In October of 2012, Jane and I were in Bangkok, Thailand, teaching conversational English. And at the end of the term, we were on a tour bus on a field trip outside of Bangkok 
when the tour bus's brakes failed. Right from the beginning, I could see God in this picture because I knew I was paralyzed, but I never wanted to be dead, which surprised me. Um, my physical journey started with two months in Bangkok to stabilize me enough to come home to Abbott, where I then had five more surgeries. My mantra became, it is what it is. Some of the mental and emotional barriers I had to get through, first of all, was denial. I just could not believe this had happened. There were things like exhaustion and driving back and forth to the hospital in the Twin Cities. The two words I hated to hear most of all, new normal. Many of my friends have had trouble accepting this or I'm just left out of things. I feel left out a lot. And um, never knowing what each day is going to bring, whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Is everything ready to work today? Am I going to be embarrassed today? There have been times when I've felt like I needed to break out of prison. Just not being able to ever do anything on my own. That, I think, is the biggest prison. The one thing that I have found that I have been able to get back to is painting. And so that's become a real release for me within my prison. I have faith barriers that I struggle with. One of the major ones still is that Jane was not healed. The thing that has tested my faith more than anything is watching Roger. One of the big ways that I see God in this, number one, I haven't been angry. Number two is I am so much more patient than I have ever been. The most unique thing that comes to my mind that convinces me that God is involved is friends and family and neighbors got together and did two fundraising events for us so that we could purchase a wheelchair accessible van. I would tell anyone here at New Hope who feels like they need a prison break it's just like the Bible says, he will never leave us or forsake us. I would give them the verse Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I've always described myself as a Martha, and I think he's trying to turn me into a Mary, and I'm not sure that's quite going to happen. but. It's getting there. How about you? As you listen to Roger and Jane's story and your particular story about different faith barriers that you need to break in order to get out of the prison cell you're in, 
You know, the whole journey of New Hope Community Church has been one faith barrier after another to step out into and to break. I remember when New Hope started back at First Baptist Church in Cambridge. I was the youth pastor. We started just an alternative service that turned into New Hope Community Church. But in 2003, the church voted to start it as its own church in the high school. But from 2003 to 2004, I needed to raise $300,000. Previous to that, as a youth pastor, as a young punk, I had only raised $30,000, and that was to send kids on a mission trip. But in one year, I needed to raise $300,000 to secure three 7 by 24 foot trailers full of all the stuff we needed to do New Hope at the high school. About two months prior to opening up New Hope at the high school, we had $260,000. We had to make the $300,000 payment by August 1 in order to get the product so that we could open up in September. And so I had to go to a local bank, and I had to say, hey, listen, I need $40,000. And they're like, well, what's your history? Well, the church has no history. (laughs) Well, what collateral do you have? Well, we're going to be buying... (laughs) Uh, all this equipment, you could use that as collateral. And they're like, well, that doesn't really work. And that, so they said, well, what do you have? I'm like, well, I, guess, I mean, I got a house. And that, well, that'll do. Hmm. So in 2003, for a $40,000 line of credit, I had to sign the house away and just trust and believe that God was going to provide to be able to pay that back so that New Hope Community Church could start. But year after year, there's been one faith barrier after another, and it just seems the way God works, right? In this series called Prison Break, we see today that Peter, the Apostle Peter, needs a break. He needs to step out and break out of the prison that he is in reality in. He is in prison. Let me bring you up to speed on the story in Acts chapter 12. The apostle Peter is arrested by Herod, and he's in prison awaiting his trial. Now, this is the Herod who is the grandson of King Herod, who was ruthless. King Herod tried to put Jesus to death at his birth in Bethlehem. Matter of fact, he had all the kids in Jesus' age, boys, put to death. He's also the one that tried to make sure that no other ruler would rule. So he killed his wife, he killed his three sons, he killed his uh, son-in-law, his mother-in-law, his uncle, so that nobody else would take his spot. This Herod who threw Peter into prison, is also the nephew of the Herod who cut the head off of John the Baptist. And then the one that, before Jesus was crucified, put Jesus on trial. We see in the text as well, this Herod just killed James by the sword, the brother of Jesus. So Peter knows what's coming. He knows that since the Jews really liked the fact that this Herod killed James, that 
Peter was arrested because Herod realized, hey, my ratings went up when James was killed. Boy, if I kill Peter, the head and the main point person of the church, man, my ratings will really go up. And so that was the plan. So we read in the text early in Acts 12 that the night before Peter's trial, he is asleep in prison, but something else is taking place. In Acts 5, we read that they, the church, was praying fervently for Peter. Now, in the Greek, this word fervently means fully stretched, fully stretched. And if you're participating in the Daniel fast, if you're giving something up, whether it has to do with food, whether it has to do with social media, your favorite sitcom, whatever it might be, if you're giving something up, you're being fully stretched. You're being challenged. And this picture of fully stretched is like a a taut rope to the extent of, of what it can do. When it comes to prayer and fervent prayer, it means to be stretched out. It's a prayer that's costly. It involves more than this brief moment, God help me in this situation. We see that the church had been praying for a whole week for Peter's release. We read over in Acts 5.19 that the apostles, including Peter, were thrown into jail for sharing the good news of Jesus. But an angel of the Lord came and opened the prison doors and broke him and the apostles out of prison and they continued to share the good news of Jesus. So I'm sure that the church was gathered together fervently in prayer because they had seen what had taken place earlier and they were, I'm assuming, praying for the same thing. Lord God, release Peter. But I'm sure they had doubts and they were wrestling as well. Why? Because James was just put to death by the sword. But yet they leaned in and they prayed and they were on it. But as we continue in Acts 12, we see seven barriers of Peter's faith that he had to step over, that he had to break in order to get out of that prison. Let me read you the text, and then we'll just briefly go through these seven barriers. And as we go through these barriers, again, my question to you in your own personal life is how does this relate to you? What barriers do you need to take a step of faith and overcome, break in your life? So in Acts 12, verse 6 to 10, it says this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the angel was with him or what he was doing. And it was that it was really happening. He thought it was just a vision he was seeing. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. 
it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So what are the barriers in that short text that Peter had to walk through in that short period of time? The first barrier is this. It says, he was struck on the side, he was woke up, and the angel said, get up, and the chains fell off of Peter. This whole idea of get up. Sometimes when we're caught in our prison cell, we get discouraged. We wonder if God's ever going to show up. We lose this anticipation that God is involved in our lives. It was the last song we sang in the earlier set where we, we don't feel he's there. We don't see he's there. And we wonder, God, are you even in my life? Do you even care? And maybe Peter was wondering that. And it was the, at the end, the, the night before his trial, and he was like, well, just might as well go to sleep. This is it, right? But the angel comes in and says, get up. It's this call to action. You know, I think sometimes in our lives, we live our days and we just age instead of living our days looking for action. I think a lot of times life just goes by and we age instead of recognizing that God has called us to be a people of action. And so he says to Peter, get up, get up. The second barrier in verse eight, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals and Peter did so. This is odd. Now, obviously he's naked. Obviously in that culture during that time in prison, they figured, well, hey, it's really tough to uh, get out of prison and break out if you're naked. And so obviously he had to get clothed, but it's odd because typically in a prison break, I mean, you like want to get out of there as fast as possible. But yet the angel says, get up, put on your clothes, get dressed. And it's like this, this piece of incredible trust. Because typically it's like, man, we got to get out of here. Let's go. But Peter had to trust that obviously the jailers that were in the cell with him by his sides were being held at bay by the angels or their eyes were being blinded. There was this trust. But he said, put on your clothes, put on your sandals, and he did so. And then another barrier, wrap your cloak around you, and then it was time to leave. Follow me. This is a big barrier. Why? Because in that culture, if there was a prison break, somebody was trying to escape, every guard knew that they could automatically put to death the one that was escaping. That isn't the case in our culture today. But in that culture, it was basically take them out by the sword. Boom. And so Peter had to take this incredible step of faith, break this barrier, and saying, okay, am I going to follow this angel? Because in the text, it said he thought he was seeing a vision. He wasn't sure if this was really happening. But I think for us as individuals, the hardest thing for us to do is to follow, isn't it? Because what does it mean when we follow? 
It means that we have to actually humble ourselves under another person and follow them. And so Peter here had to humble himself under the angel and follow and trust. One night, a house caught on fire. A young boy was forced to the roof. The father stood on the ground with his outstretched arms, yelling to him, jump, I'll catch you, jump, I'll catch you. Because he knew that the boy needed to jump in order to save his life. But the boy was paralyzed on the roof. All he could see was flames and smoke and, and blackness. And his father kept yelling to him, jump, I'll catch you, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy yelled, but daddy, I can't see you. And the father replied, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. You see, our heavenly father can see us. He sees our situation. He knows what's going on in our prison cells. We get this incredible picture because he's there with Peter in his situation. And he knows what's going on. And he's calling Peter out to follow him, to get up and to take action. And Peter has to step over these faith barriers one after another. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Peter had to walk by faith, believing that God was out ahead of him, making the way. And we as individuals are called for that as well. And so Peter then gets to this fourth faith barrier where they, they passed the first guards. I mean, this is a big barrier. Sometimes there's small barriers in our life. Sometimes there's big barriers in our life. But these guards, again, are in the cell with Peter. And so he has to take this step of faith to walk away from them. This step of faith that God is holding them by his angels, or he is blinding them, or making them deaf. And they are not aware of what is going on. It reminds me of a story of Dr. Pat. A couple weeks ago, the week after Christmas, up here we had the Witwickies who were uh, preparing to go on missions. And in our Cambridge Isani campus, we had Dr. Pat. Dr. Pat works with the persecuted church. She travels to areas of the world where people are not allowed to follow Jesus, and so they have to go and hide to have church. It's not like here where like we just drove here in the daylight and we came in and boy, the sounds cranked up and we're worshiping and then we can have coffee cookies and bounce in the bouncy house afterwards. Not in the persecuted church. They are underground. They're out in the middle of woods, miles, wherever they have to meet because they know that if found out, their life could be taken. Well, part of her ministry is she smuggles in Bibles for them. In the persecuted church, Unlike here, where here, one of us may have 10 Bibles. There, there's one Bible for every 10 persons, and they share them. 
but she knows what it's like to walk across a border and to smuggle Bibles in. And she knows what Peter experienced when he had to trust and believe that the angel's eyes were shut and blocked because as she walks up to border patrol and she's dragging her suitcase full of not clothes or not cosmetics, but Bibles. And she's always with the team, pause and pray, God, close their eyes. She puts the suitcase on the counter and literally they open it up and they look at it. They move Bibles all over the place. They put them in and out and all that and they zip it up and they're like, okay, looks good. And they send them on. Anybody want to go on that next trip? I mean, you talk about Faith barriers and overcoming barriers, like real barriers. This is where Peter's at. This is his struggle. And sometimes it doesn't get easier because we look at the fifth barrier he had to break. It says the second guards, not just the first guards. Now he has to go through these second guards as well. Often I'm called to go visit individuals at the Isani County Jail. And when I go into the jail, there are four doors I have to get to and through to get into and visit with the individual. And so I have to walk, obviously, in the first door, the the sheriff's uh, area and the county jail. I go downstairs to the visitor area. I buzz in, tell them who I am. And then I walk through another door and then a second door. And then I have to put all my belongings in a case. And then they have to buzz me in the next door into the prison area. But then they give me a radio and then they lock me in a room with the prisoner, which is sometimes a little uh, uneasy <laughs> and that, but they lock us in. And so everywhere you go, there's these doors, multiples that you have to get through if you want to break out. And so Peter's picture is reality, not just these first guards and like, hey, we're on our way. Now he's got to go through these second guards who are standing there and he has to believe God. But yet he can look in the rearview mirror just of recently, right? And recognize, hey, these guards were just taken care of. He'll take care of these guards. And so these barriers he needs to get through. And then there's a barrier six. And it came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them itself, and they went through it. So another set of guards, but obviously, Peter at this time recognized God was with him, and he could overcome that barrier. And the city gates opened, and he was able to go out. It says, barrier seven, when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And at that time, he recognized And he had to trust that it was God who brought him out of the prison and who was going to provide from this point on. Though demons are roaming and patrolling the earth, so is God's angels. And God's angels are intimately involved in our situations. He sends them to us as messengers, and also as ones who minister unto our situation. 
And so we are not alone. And we get this picture in Peter's prison break as he is called to step over these faith barriers one after another that he is not alone, that God is with him. And every time he steps over one faith barrier, he has greater courage to step over the next faith barrier. So how many faith barriers stood between Peter and his prison break? Two chains. There were six guards and four doors. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, that's my life. That's my situation. Maybe for you, it's two chains. Maybe for you, it's six guards. Maybe for you, it's, man, these four doors I just got to step through. Maybe you're in a place of needing to break through a barrier here today. I want you to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as a life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Talk to him about it. And he says, he will make your path straight. He will help you overcome those barriers. William Booth, who was the originator and starter of the Salvation Army back in 1856, says this. Faith and works should travel side by side, step answering step, like the legs of men walking. First faith, then works, and then faith again, and then works again until they can scarcely distinguish which is one and which is the other. Like Peter, our faith and our walking are both necessary in order to overcome breaking barriers in our life. It's faith. But yet it's walking. It's faith. But yet it's walking. And so that's why this morning we are going to partake of communion together, the Lord's Supper. It's safe for everybody. It's gluten-free. It's grape juice. And when you come up, you can just come out to the right. Come up. Grab a wafer and dip it into the cup and partake But the reason I wanted to do communion this morning is because Jesus had to overcome a variety of faith barriers, right? In order to go to the cross for us. I mean, the night before he was crucified, sitting in Gethsemane, he asked his father three times for an option B. Father, hey, if there's another option to go to the cross, I'm open but yet your will be done. When the mob came and grabbed him to take him away, he made the statement, hey, if I wanted to, I could just call my father and he'd send me 12 legions of angel 
That's 600,000 angels compared to the 300 of the mob. Sitting before Pontius Pilate, all he had to do when he was asked, are you the son of God? All he needed to do was say no. Talk about a faith barrier. Talk about like, man, man, I could get out of this. I just have to say no. And so we celebrate this morning and we are reminded that we are not alone, that the one who died for us and who redeemed us, forgave our sins, had to walk through and overcome faith barrier one after another, trust his heavenly father just as much as we have to trust as well. And Peter did also. So I'm going to pray. And as you come up, I just ask you to pause. And if there's a a prison that you need to break out of, if there's a, a step of faith that you need to take, just pause and give it over to the Lord and ask for his strength. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would meet us, strengthen us, as we partake of communion, remind us of your faithfulness. That you are about breaking barriers. You are about setting people free. And we ask that this day, in your holy name, amen. Come and partake of communion.